Welcome to your favorite F word podcast, where we dive deep into conversations around food, fitness, feelings, with the occasional fuck thrown in. We're your hosts, Sarah and Nicola, owners of Paradigm Nutrition and Performance, nutrition coaches, besties, and most importantly, humans. This show is for coaches, self-growth-oriented folks, active humans, or anyone looking to deepen their understanding and relationship with food, movement, and themselves. Thanks for tuning in, and we cannot wait to share this space with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Your Favorite F-Word Podcast. Sarah and Nicola here, and today we're going to do a hopefully quick episode (laughs) on something that we're going to, for the sake of the podcast today, call active versus passive or conscious versus unconscious macro tracking. So if you are someone who currently tracks macros, has tracked macros in the past, is curious about tracking macros, uh, this is a really great episode, um, just diving into some important considerations for using macro tracking as a tool. Mm-hmm. So we'll go into kind of this idea of macro tracking as a tool. We'll talk about the difference between active versus passive or conscious versus unconscious tracking. And then we'll talk about applying what we learn while we're tracking macros into our day-to-day life and kind of what happens after that. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole kind of episode, kind of the idea started because we've seen a lot of clients or just folks in general who we've talked to in our space using macros for, I don't want to say the wrong reasons, but they're just not making the most of it as a tool. It's a really great learning resource, but it's more than just the numbers. And I think sometimes when we think about, you know, I'm going to track macros, we get so hyper-focused on the, the numbers themselves and those targets, and we lose sight of all of the things that we should be learning in the process. And so today we're kind of bringing those reminders to the forefront so that, like Sarah said, if you're interested in tracking macros, you can go into the process with um, a great focus and being able to make the most of it. If you're currently tracking macros, it's a great reminder to kind of scale out and look at the big picture and start to connect the dots to different aspects of your health instead of getting really hung up on, you know, did I hit my macros today or did I not? For sure. So we'll go into what is, well, we'll talk about passive macro tracking first. So this is kind of what we see when individuals are hyper-focused on those numbers, right? So they're not necessarily using any mental or cognitive effort or paying attention to things beyond what it says in my fitness pal or my macros plus or whatever app they're using, right? They're just opening the app, plopping in the food, cool, hits the macros, eat it, and that's all. And there's not really any awareness outside of that. It's really just like a game of Tetris. And I think when we, if we talk about um, anti-diet and like the intuitive eating movement, I think when people are against macro tracking, the passive macro tracking is probably like people are more they're referring to macro. Yeah. Yeah. They're for they're referring to passive tracking, whereby we are reliant on the app to tell us what to eat, when to eat, etc. 
Okay. When we are using macro tracking with our clients and anyone listening who is using this as a tool, we want to, instead of being in that passive space, really move towards an active or more conscious experience. So why don't we walk through what specifically that might look like? Yeah. I mean, while we're here, maybe also, I just want to mention too, that I think when we're in that passive tracking stage, that's where we see a lot more clients getting really hung up on like the, did I hit my macros today and basing all of their, you know, feelings of success or progress on, you know, their ability to hit those numbers or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And they start to derive a lot of confidence from being able to hit the numbers. And in part, that's great because you're, you know, teaching yourself, you know, what kind of amounts of food are going to work best for your body, your lifestyle, and your goal at the time. But there's also a caution around that, that if we are so hyper-focused that we're losing sight of, you know, how do I feel in the gym? How is my sleep? How's my stress? How is this food actually feeling when I eat it? Because we, you know, we either don't care um, because we're putting so much of that value on the number, mm-hmm. then we can kind of get into, again, what Sarah mentioned being like that the diet, anti-diet culture maybe. Um, looking down upon macro tracking, it's for that reason, because it can cause some um, problematic behaviors um, and deriving like confidence and success from things that ultimately aren't going to serve you long term. Mm -hmm. Because who wants to be, you know, six years down the road, still tracking macros in the same way and unable to kind of get out of that as a way of living, um, because you're not able to apply things to your life outside of macro tracking. Yeah, and we see a lot of individuals who are in that place right now falling into that all or nothing mentality mm-hmm. so often, right? Because, yeah. okay, cool. I have my scale with me. I have my fitness pal with me. I, I know what to do, aka my fitness pal tells me what to do, right? But what happens when we're unable to track or we're on holidays or we need a break from using the scale to measure all our food, Right it's a lot easier if we're in a passive state to now fall into this all or nothing mentality and just say, fuck it and not actually apply what we've learned through all of that time of tracking macros. Right. And we kind of lose sight of what typical day should look like and what actually makes us feel good. Right. Cause like, what are you actually learning from that process? And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you said, you know, um, folks are looking at those numbers and saying like, hey, this is what I'm going to do, whether or not I'm at home or I'm on vacation. And we lose sight of, you know, so many of the other amazing aspects of food Um, and who's in charge there. Like, is, are you in charge or is my fitness pal in charge? And so we really want to move into that more autonomous state where you are in charge and you're just using my fitness pal or whichever app as kind of um, a little like tracker or double check kind of tool. Yeah. Check your work math style. Yeah. So let's move into, if we're thinking of conscious tracking or active tracking, what are some of the things that we are doing or considering? Okay. So active, a lot of the times where we'll start with folks is while they're getting into the tracking process, we want to be consciously paying attention to like how much food and in what portions are 
your macros taking up. So if you're putting together a breakfast, we don't want to just like be, you know, weighing and measuring and entering and walking away. We want to also look at the plate that we've just created and think like, okay, what macros did I just add to my plate in what quantities, um, what foods contain which macros and over time build this kind of like awareness where you can look at a plate and eyeball it um, and be able to know, okay, I have a solid source of protein here. I have some carbs. I have some fats. I have veggies. Um, maybe without having to rely on my fitness pal to tell you that. So it's a much deeper, like an intentional way of viewing and creating meals in your food. Mm -hmm. And bringing awareness too, also to how you feel after certain meals. So if we go back to that breakfast, for example, maybe our current breakfast, when we start tracking macros is mostly carbohydrates, right? Which is mm -hmm. the case for a lot of individuals. Maybe it's a bowl of oatmeal and berries, or maybe it's a bagel or something like that. That's mostly carbohydrates. And then, okay, cool. Nothing wrong with that. But maybe at 10 AM, we now notice that we're super tired or super hungry or something like that, right? Okay. That can inform us well, maybe we want to add some protein or add some fats to our breakfast, or maybe that quantity of carbohydrates was too high in one meal for us to sustain energy, or it made us feel lethargic after or something like that, right? So bringing awareness to, okay, I just ate this meal. It's not good or bad, but how did it make me feel, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's really, really important as well, because then you can start to learn how to make modifications to the meals that you like to eat, um, the meals that are available to you in order to help you feel more sustained energy throughout the day and just feel better throughout the day overall. Mm -hmm. And those are who become really successful with macro tracking are able to um, have that awareness and feel comfortable enough making small adjustments, knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, if they were experimenting to improve their hunger or improve their energy and their macros weren't perfect at the end of the day, that's, that's okay because they learned so much in the process mm -hmm. and their success isn't based on whether or not their carbs were dead on. It's based on, you know, what did they do for themselves to make them feel as good as they can that day and improve from the day before. Right. That's an interesting one too, because a lot of times clients will talk about if they're going to eat something that they know is probably not going to fit into their macros. So birthday cake was one that was in a check-in for one of my clients recently. Um, things like, like pizza or like higher calorie food items that especially if we're in a deficit, we might not be able to fit it fully into our macros. If we're in more of a passive state, sometimes we just choose not to track it because we'd rather not track it than track mm -hmm. it and have it put us over. Right. We don't want to see it reflected in the numbers because if we're deriving all our feelings of success from the numbers, we're going to feel like a failure if we've eaten the cake and it puts us over. Yeah. So yeah, that's something we see a lot too. On the flip side, if you're so hyper-focused on the numbers, but desperately needing to fit in those treats, our diet can easily become you know, like 90% processed treat foods. Um, and there's nothing wrong with those foods, but we want to be mindful about, you know, moderation and in what quantities and where we're making those choices. Mm -hmm. um, because like we talked about earlier, my mac or macros can 
you know, get a bad rep if they're falling into that, like if it fits your macros kind of mentality where you can jam pack your day full of ice cream and chips and protein shakes and still hit your macros dead on. But what's that actually doing for you? What are you learning from that? How is that making you feel today and long-term if you're going to keep that up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The not entering it because it's going to put us over if we're more in an active state, we can enter it. It can put us over. We can understand, hey, we are not good or bad based on whether we're hitting specific numbers. It says nothing about who we are as humans. We can still be successful in whatever pursuits we are working towards. But if we're in an active state, that then becomes awareness. Okay, I had this birthday cake. Birthday cake is something that is served at birthdays. If I am going to enjoy a piece of cake, what does that look like in my day to day? Mm -hmm. If I did not change anything, it puts me this much over. If I wanted to be closer to my targets, I could make this small adjustment or whatever. Right. So again, it's a learning piece versus living and dying by the numbers (laughs) in my fitness pal, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So our, our mindset around that is so, so important. And I think that's not, I think that is something that we work a ton with our clients on, right? Is okay. If we are choosing to track macros, we need to be aware of this active versus passive. And we need to have the mindset moving into it, that this is a tool to learn. Mm -hmm. Right. And that like Nicholas said, that makes the difference between those who are successful with it and those who are not as successful with it. For sure. There's a lot going on there. I mean, I think it's, it's hard to get into macro tracking because it involves like a complete new steps in creating meals, like you're weighing and measuring and then entering things. So there's all that newness. So at the beginning, it can, it can be easy to get stuck on that, like hyper-focused on that small piece of the process without being able to look farther. So something else we do in our coaching is link our macros and what we're hitting with our daily targets to other biofeedback markers so we can get a better picture of overall how we're feeling about the food regardless of how like perfect we've been with the numbers Mm -hmm. so when we talk about biofeedback remember we're talking about sleep hunger recovery energy digestion stress also looking at things like our performance our cycle you know our mindset around our food how we're feeling in terms of like feeling if we have enough flexibility or if we're feeling too restricted and structured with our meals and that kind of thing as well. So we can learn a lot um, based on like what we're eating that can affect like, hey, I've noticed if I'm under my macros, I tend to like suffer in my performance or I've noticed my recovery is a little lower. And so that can be the motivator to, you know, increase or get closer to the macro targets instead of feeling like, oh, I just failed because I didn't get there. There's other sources of motivation we can derive when we look at the greater picture of ourselves more holistically and using the macros to just inform um, how the rest of that biofeedback is coming along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we are just being passive, we're really missing out on a lot of the learning process. Mm -hmm. And truly with macros, the goal should always be to use macros as a tool to understand yourself better, to learn about food and create a foundation of nutritional knowledge paired with personal awareness so that you don't have to track forever. 
And so that we're not constantly on this like on or off track or tracking or going balls to the wall or whatever kind of language you want to use. We don't love that language, but it speaks to most of our clients. So um, yeah, I mean, the goal isn't to have to use my fitness pal forever, right? So we need to keep that in mind as we're moving through this process. So we'll talk about now a few kind of, I guess, like actionable steps or actionable items to consider um, moving into a more active tracking situation. Yeah. So beyond what we kind of just covered, I think maybe the first thing to look at, um, if you're just refreshing yourself, that there's more than just the numbers when you are now creating meals, whether it's in, you know, your weekly meal prep or food prep, or literally just dishing out a meal, really look at the serving size, look at, you know, what does a serving size of protein look like, um, when it's from a whole food source versus a protein shake, um, what kind of veggies or carbohydrates do I want to have on my plate? How much room do they take up? What do they look like? Where are my fats coming from? And so that, you know, if you go out for a meal, you can look at your plate and be like, check protein. Yep. There's carbs. Yep. I've got veggies. Yes. There's fats or, you know, look, wow, this plate um, at the restaurant, these fries, I know there's going to be way more carbs and fats that I would normally have. And just that awareness is what we're after. We're not needing to make a modification to that meal necessarily. Um, We just want to build in that awareness so that you know down the road that that's what you're up against when you go out for meals or have the birthday cake or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. That awareness can then help guide the next decision, right? So Mm -hmm. if we had, if we had the fries at lunch, we know that was higher in carbs and fats. Maybe our next meal, we're choosing something that's a little bit denser in fiber and vegetables and has a leaner protein source. Mm -hmm. You know, that is, that's the ultimate goal is having that awareness. And we're not tying any, any ideas of like being good versus bad to it. Right. Um, Also, also being aware of like, how much do you need to actually feel satisfied Mm -hmm. to feel full, to feel satisfied, right? What does that look like on your plate? What macros are involved and in what quantities, right? Um, For me, I don't necessarily feel satisfied after a meal if it doesn't have some carbohydrates in it. Like I can't eat a salad and be like, "Mm, I'm full. Like it doesn't work for me, right? On the flip side, if I have a bowl of only carbohydrates, again, not really satisfied. So I know that I need at least protein and some carbohydrates to feel satisfied for the most part, right? Um, And then with protein too, over an entire day, what does hitting your protein target in a day entail? what, how many portions, how many meals and how much per meal? Cause that's one that I think is easy for us to quote unquote slack on if we aren't. Tracking, <laughs> yeah. Let's right? face it. If we're not tracking macros, we don't really have to worry about getting enough carbs and, and fats. Like Absolutely that's not. for most of us, that's going to come pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but even just like taking a few days off tracking, if you're like, so in it, um, and 
like do a double take on those meals and be like, ah, oh, am I actually getting enough protein? Would this actually equal my targets? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have to supplement somewhere or change some of the foods to make sure that I am getting enough on average? Mm-hmm. Um, again, perfection every day doesn't matter so much, but over the long term, we want to definitely make sure that protein is being uh, prioritized. For sure. So some kind of tools that you consider it can't consider um, is we always like to encourage clients to practice with like a little mini game. So before you actually weigh out the food, portion out what you, so if we're using chicken breast, this is the most boring example, but okay, we need four ounces of chicken breast. Let's put what we think four ounces of chicken breast is on our plate and then weigh it out and see where we're at, right? It's like a little game. And when you get it exact, or if you like scoop out like exactly 15 grams of peanut butter, I'm like, oh yeah, it feels awesome. (laughs) I am the champion. Um, So doing mini games like that, again, not necessarily depending on your scale, but using the scale as like the double check, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Can be helpful in order to get better at eyeballing portion sizes for when you're not tracking. Yeah, totally. Soon you'll be able to Uh, I said this to one client the other day and she had like the funniest response. Um, We were talking about this exactly for this exact example of um, measuring out chicken breast and doing like a little self test to see if how like accurate you are. Um, I said something like uh, sooner than later, you'll be able to spot four ounces of chicken breast like across the room. And she messaged back and said something so awesome. Like I picture that as like a superhero tagline, like, chicken princess able spot four ounces of chicken from you know long distances like how cute Um, but like absolutely like that's part of the goal is that you you know where your what kind of macros your food contains and you know what kind of portions like do what you want them to do for your body and feel your best yeah for sure for sure that's funny um another kind of strategy that you can consider is including some untracked meals in your week right? Um, And obviously this is going to be dependent on our goals. If we're working towards body comp or fat loss where we need a little bit more accuracy, this might not be something that we want to do too often. But if we are in a period where we are working towards performance goals or overall health and longevity, especially including some of those untracked meals and getting practice with creating balanced meals without the app can be helpful as well. Um, and maybe you, you don't track it the night of, and then the next day you put it in to see kind of where it landed you or whatever, if you want to have that double check. Um, but that can also be something that's helpful. Yeah. And then kind of like our last tool to get yourself a little bit more familiar with this is to keep something like a food journal. And this isn't just like writing down the foods, but also writing down, you know, connecting back to those biofeedback markers and thinking like, how did I feel? How was my digestion after this meal? How soon after eating that strictly cereal for breakfast, did I feel hungry? Um, Did I notice my energy plummet in the afternoon? Um, If I skipped my pre-workout meal, how did I feel during my performance? That kind of stuff is what you can start paying attention to. And like we do with our clients tracking over time to start making like very informed um, adjustments to things to again, optimize all of your biofeedback and have you feeling super solid about what you're eating. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The food journal is really helpful and you can think, consider the relationship with food type reflections in that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we are 
having feelings of any guilt or shame or pride or whatever around the choices we've made, we can also use that food journal to reflect on, okay, why am I feeling this? Um, and tying that back to the macros too. If it was a meal that didn't fit our macros, was that why we were feeling the certain feeling or yeah, definitely. Yeah. And things like cravings and how you feel if you, you know, honor that craving versus ignore it. And, you know, you can look back a few days later and think, you know, I honored my craving and it, it felt satisfied and I didn't feel the need to go overboard with anything later versus, Hey, I didn't honor that. And I restricted um, myself from say like a donut. And a few days later, like I was still craving that donut and ended up eating a whole bunch of other stuff thinking that would hit the spot when it didn't. And you can, again, learn a lot that way. Yeah. Big time. Uh, okay. So we were going to close out with some considerations for transitioning away from macros. And then I just thought that could actually be a full podcast episode. Well, why don't we just touch on them here and then we can, yeah, we could absolutely do, um, kind of a more strategy intensive episode later on. Yeah. Cool. So if we are, and you can do this, whether or not you are actually transitioning away, Um, These can be great strategies for if you're on a holiday or if you're needing to take a step back for a week or need a diet break or something like that. Um, So just tracking protein is a pretty simple version of macro tracking that allows us to, again, hit those protein goals, but be a little bit more flex on everything else. Um, If we needed a little bit more structure, we could track protein and our overall total calories and let carbohydrates and fats maybe be over or under, um, so long as they're still within our calorie goal, those could be your targets. You could kind of um, take, like Sarah said earlier, those free meals, but instead just focus on creating really balanced meals. So looking at the plate and making sure that you've got a solid protein source, some carbs, and some fats, um, and doing that for each meal or each snack. Um, And lastly, you could kind of check in with yourself just every once in a while. And so maybe you track your food once a week um, just to make sure like, hey, I'm keeping up with my habits. Hey, I still know what four ounces of chicken breast looks like. Um, And just doing a double take. Um, I've talked to some people who have said they use this as a tool to quote unquote, make sure they're not eating like an asshole. Right. Um, And sometimes that's all you need is a little quick accountability and an adjustment and be like, oh, okay, my, you know, eating tendencies have shifted a little too far from where I'm most comfortable, where do I need to rein things in or what adjustments do I want to make to, again, feel a little bit better? Mm -hmm. For sure. So in closing today, I guess macro tracking can get a pretty bad rap in the rep, rap. What did I just say? I don't know. Rap. (laughs) Pretty bad. Yeah. Reputation. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right? (laughs) Yeah. That's another one of those freaking sayings that I butchered. Anyways. (laughs) Um, It can get a bad reputation and there are situations where macro tracking is not going to best serve an individual or a client and that's totally okay. But if we are using macro tracking in a active way whereby we are really using it as a tool to work towards informed eating. I like that. I like that term, right? Informed eating and aware eating, right? So not only do we have the information from a nutrition and science standpoint, but we're also still developing self-awareness of our own needs and hunger and biofeedback, et cetera, 
it can be invaluable and it can be a huge stepping stone to being able to maintain body composition, maintain weight loss results, um, and to just have, I don't, food freedom, you know? Yeah, I, I was like going to say intuitive eating, two things yeah. we don't talk about a lot because yeah. um, they're poorly defined. But if you were ever someone who was like, my goal would be to be an intuitive eater, this would be something that you could absolutely use as a really solid tool to make you informed and self-aware enough to be able to eat. And again, big air quotes, intuitively. Yeah. Yeah, that's another podcast episode that we could go into. <laughs> so yeah, hope that was helpful for you today. We will close out with our fuck yes and fuck no. We didn't think of them ahead of time. No, but you're totally right. Um, the fuck no. I feel like I always do the fuck no. Being an old negative Nancy over here. Um, uh, the fuck no. Puppy training. Oh my God. She is a beautiful angel and all life suck. <gasps> I just got a puppy two weeks ago and she's looking at me from her crate right now and she is adorable and so nice, but she's a fucking furry little crocodile <laughs> who just does what she wants. So she's learning, but slowly yeah. and it is, my heart goes out to anybody training a puppy. It's hard work. I feel like that's a perfect example of we never truly know what's going on with someone else, right? Because I've never had a puppy. And to me, getting a puppy seems like it's all sunshines and rainbows. And I'm just, look at that little girl. Like, she's so freaking Yeah, look cute. at this angel. How are you she's not, like, cute. yeah. How are you not, like, loving every minute, right? But we we don't see behind the scenes. And oh, I mean, yeah. Fuck those people who say, enjoy. In, oh, someone told me the other day, enjoy these puppy days. They won't last for long. And I was like, fuck you, Thank buddy. God. Like, yeah. When was the last time you had a puppy? I was like, yeah. you want me to enjoy it when she's shitting in her crate at three in the morning? And I'm like trying to give her a shower when the whole house stinks. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone also said well you know it's a good thing they're cute because otherwise right getting rid of them and I would be lying if I said I hadn't thought about you know putting her on the corner with a two dollars or best <laughs> offer sign yeah someone would swipe her up in a heartbeat she's, yeah yeah she's yeah. very cute. also Brandon's been gone so that's made it tougher yeah definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> he gets I can't wait for when he comes back I'll have like one or two days of what I am going to be taking as personal days. I'm just right. going to go do whatever the hell I want for two days and be like, you, you're on dad duty right now. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Yeah. That's so funny. Okay. So I need the fuck yes. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I've really been enjoying, oh, I have a fuck no to this as well, but um, I don't want meals lately. Like I just want snacks. So like before this, I had a bagel, a thing of yogurt, some raw veg, and a chicken turkey sausage. Oh, fantastic. Can we pause there and just talk about how balanced that random ass snack was? <laughs> Great job. Fantastic. 10 I, out of 10. It was funny because I put it on my Instagram and um, I don't know if it was Christy or Eric from Barracks, but they responded from the Barracks um, profile or whatever and was like this looks like the meals I make for my children <laughs> I was like I am a child <laughs> sometimes that's what you want though in the yeah. summer especially I think like a lot of people 
move away from like full meals because cooking feels like oof, can feel like a drain yeah um and sometimes it's just those snackies yeah it's just what you really want and you got to get them and since i've tracked macros for a long time i can make a snack that is very balanced and i know is still going to satisfy and yeah it's all good yeah virtual high five on that one friend yum (laughs) okay i was gonna have a fuck no to that oh my fuck no to that was you know when you have like multiple things on your plate and they're all good and you can't decide which one goes in like which table on in your mouth last oh that's the make that decision i usually always choose the sweetest or the carb for last yeah um yeah i probably do too Mm -hmm. but sometimes you make the wrong decision and you just wish you had one more bite of the other thing (laughs) and you're like i've ever felt like that i feel like it's a win-win like you're closing out pretty right regardless (laughs) so funny oh okay well that's it for today everyone um hopefully you had some good takeaways and nicola's gonna go let rue out yeah little rhubarb needs a pee (laughs) oh yeah you called her barb oh yeah so her name is rue but we have a whole host of nicknames for her let me list some of them so rhubarb and then barb when she's being a little bee okay no offense to all the barbs in the world um (laughs) also rooster Roosevelt. Um, Are they all different personalities? Uh, depends. Um, I also just call her Stinky all the time. Like yeah, when nice. she wakes up from a nap, I go, hi, Stinky. Yeah. And she wakes her little tail because she knows she's Stinky. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Cute. Cute, cute. Yeah, or little bean, I call her sometimes. <laughs> you name a dog something, but let's be honest, like, you never really call them the name. I think that might just be, well, that's mostly a you thing. No. also created a separate name for your mom's dog. (laughs) Yeah, but. (laughs) (laughs) Like an actual new name. Like, I don't think I have a terrible name name for the first, like, however many times I met her. My mom's dog was adopted and her name was Lacey. And again, no offense to the Lacey's of the world, but I was like, this is not the name for this dog. She is not a Lacey whatsoever. Like, have you met her? And then one of my mom's friends was like, you know, she has kind of a little like trout face. She looks like a little fish. And I was like, oh yeah, that's her name now. Trout. Trout. (laughs) So that's what I call her. And everybody thinks, oh, her name was actually Trout. And so when she's in trouble and I actually call her Lacey, people are like, oh, who's Lacey? Yeah. And she knows she's in trouble. (gasps) Yeah. But I also... Uh, yeah or if I'm referring to her in front of my mom I call her Lacey yeah but I don't think that's just a me thing I would like to hear from everybody else if you have pets do you actually call them by their name all the time or do you have about a million nicknames for them because I don't think I'm alone here right I feel like a nickname is different like bean or stinky (laughs) is different than like an actual another name I guess like who like no one would actually name their dog stinky Unless that would be hilarious. Maybe. I've I've met a dog named Cheeseburger. I've met a dog named Sandwich. I met a dog named Shortstop. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) He's a little like Labradoodle. He always walks around the park in the morning. He's so cute. His owner is like this old man. He's adorable. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, let us know your pet nicknames or if you just have a bunch of names. 
let's make Sarah wrong here. <laughs> and you can send us pictures of your dogs. Oh yeah, definitely. Our Instagram at Paradigm Nutrition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to see Rue, she's on my Instagram, Nicola Spencer. We also made her a secondary dog Instagram account, but we won't list that here. You can find that yourself. If you creep Nicola, you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do we say when we close these things off? Peace. Thank, <laughs> thank you for listening. Reminder to leave us a review oh, if yeah, you're that enjoying part. the show. Um, each month we will be picking a listener of the month to win $50 gift card to use towards any of our services or products. Um, so next episode, I think we'll pick the August listener of the month or July, July. Yeah. Yeah. We're all messed up right now. Summer is like, what day is it? You know? Yeah. Snacks for every meal. That's yeah. what kind of life we're living yes, right now. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, that follow us on Instagram, check out the website. We love you. Thanks for being here. Peace. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>